Well, good evening. Welcome to our Christmas Eve service. And uh, we're glad you're here to celebrate this wonderful night to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So welcome, a very special and warm welcome and greetings to you. Uh, We're going to start off here this morning with a responsive reading, and you'll see your portion in front of you. But we're just going to have some time this evening of a few readings, some carols, and uh, I promise you a very short little homily message, whatever you want to call it. But just a, a nice time to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, together we say, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we give you thanks and praise for this day, a day that we are to celebrate the fact that you took on flesh, that you humbled yourself to the point of taking on flesh, to the point of living and dying and rising again for us, that we might have a hope in you. So Lord, we give you praise this evening that you dwell among us. And so may we lift up and glorify you and you alone this night. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading from, uh, the first scripture reading this morning, or this evening, I should say, is from Luke chapter 2. It says these words. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be, will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Oh, need to go back. There we go. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom with he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Please rise and let us sing.
You may be seated. The next scripture that we'll read from here tonight is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 16, or 18 to 25, excuse me. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Please see your portion on the screen in front of you. Arise, shine, for the light has come. Together we say, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear before you. Let us rise and sing joy to the world. seated. Tonight's scripture that we're going to read tonight from, for tonight's homily is found also from Luke's gospel, the second chapter of Luke, verses 1 to 7. Hear the reading of God's word. 
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him in the end. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we give you thanks for your word, and we give you thanks again for this evening and the opportunity that we have to gather together to worship and to praise you for everything that you have done for us. So take these words here this evening and carry them to the hearts and the lives of those who are gathered here tonight. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Well, this year is a a little bit of a strange year with Christmas Eve and Christmas so tightly together. It seems like it's, or we have a, excuse me, a a church service on Sunday morning and Christmas being on Sunday and Christmas Eve being on Saturday. And it just seems a little bit different this year, doesn't it? It all seems kind of jam-packed or maybe it's just me, but it all seems just a little different with Christmas on Sunday. And so I was trying to think of what, what would be a really great way to try to pique our interest yet once again on Christmas Eve? And so I'm racking my brain, racking my brain of how do we recreate this wonderful package that we have each and every Christmas Eve in such a way that it would just amaze you all and the Lord's Spirit would work in amazing ways through someone like me. It dawned on me yet again that it's not up to me to do that, but it is really just to tell the story once again. To tell the story of what it is and who it is that we celebrate and worship tonight. But in that process, it occurred to me that something strange happened so many years ago. On that night that Jesus was born, I began to think, what's special? What's different about this night? About any other night? Another baby born to a young woman some 2,000 years ago. There are all kinds of things that are special about that night, and we've rehearsed that story time and time again. But tonight I want to focus in perhaps on one element of this story that maybe perhaps we often overlook. We don't even actually think about it all that much. But as we drive around town, we might see an inflatable about this element. (laughs) Because these inflatable things are now so popular, we have a couple of them too, but... You can't drive around town anymore without seeing an inflatable. Or maybe it's just some old plastic piece of furniture that's in the mall, somebody's yard. Maybe there's one in your yard. There's not one in my yard. How often do we think about the manger? Do we ever think about the manger itself? Not only that Jesus, the creator of the universe, took on flesh but the fact that Jesus was placed in a manger on the night that he was born. You see, because Luke seems to go out of his way to tell us that he was placed in a manger. He could have just said, and Jesus was born, the baby was born to Mary and Joseph, and they called his name Jesus or Emmanuel. Luke could have said all of those things, but he chooses to put in pen to paper for the rest of human history the fact that Jesus was laid in a manger. Now, if we read our Bibles and and we cooperate with our Bibles, then we should stop and think, well, that's a little odd. 
Well, that's interesting. Or why did Luke choose to tell us that he was placed in a manger? Of all places, a manger. And then if Jesus was placed in a manger, where is it that we find grace in the story? For it seems that this is just another narrative that we tell each and every year. The same story about some shepherds, some angels, a young couple having a baby. Well, at first glance, it might be really difficult to find any significance both to the manger or to find grace in this story. Yet, I want to tell you here tonight that there are loads of imports both in the manger and in grace in this story. So what do you think of when you think of this night? When you think of Christmas Eve or the night that Jesus was born, what do you think of? Chances are most of us think of angels. We think of shepherds. We think of a young woman and a young man. We think of a little baby. We think of this couple who had traveled a very long distance to come to a town of Bethlehem, all to fulfill what the prophet had said. They had traveled a really long distance only to find that there was no room in the inn. Remember when Heidi and I were relatively first married and we were traveling from Chicago to, to Denver. And obviously from Chicago to Denver, you have to pass through some forsaken land called Nebraska. And uh, we were traveling and we thought we would, you know, we would travel a little ways and try to get about halfway into Nebraska, travel about maybe six or seven hours, get a hotel and spend the night and then finish up the, the travel the next day. It's about a 12 or 14 hour drive or so from Chicago, so we we're going to try to split it. And so we went and headed out on our way, and that was before the days of cell phones and, you know, all of these, you know, smartphones that you could um, reserve hotels as you were going and all these kind of things. So we just left, and we went on our way. And we got to a place that we thought would be nice to sleep, and there was no vacancy in anywhere in any of the hotels we went to, all completely full. So we said, well, look, we'll drive to the next exit. Same thing. All the hotels were full. All of them. And we're thinking, that's strange. It's Nebraska. How many people are staying in the hotels in Nebraska? And it wasn't Christmas time or Easter or anything like this. It was just sometime normal day. So we went to the next stop. Full. The next stop. Full. I'm here to tell you that we traveled all the way across the state of Nebraska until we found a hotel that finally had room for us. And we asked them, why was everything so full? Well, there was like a national rodeo taking place in Nebraska that everybody from around the world was coming to Nebraska to attend this rodeo. And literally every hotel in, this, in Nebraska was full because of a rodeo. And this is the same scene. Excuse me, the same scene that Mary and Joseph are having here this evening too, right? That they came from very far, long ways away, just thinking that they would show up and there would be a room for them to stay. But there was a census that took place that had everybody from all over the known world coming back to the place that they were born. It's an extremely frustrating scene and situation to find yourself in. You think you can go and you just find yourself more and more tired. More and more tired. So they find themselves, as we found ourselves, not in the greatest of hotels. They found themselves in a cattle stall. 
by a manger. What do you think of when you think of Christmas Eve? You think of a young family being absolutely exhausted, tired, trying to find a place to stay. For this is what was happening. And then they laid their baby in a manger. Of all places, a manger. What's important about the manger? There's a great deal of importance about the manger. The most obvious and stark important part of the manger is simply the practical implications of such a birth. Surely it was not a clean place. It wasn't a hospital. It wasn't sterile. I can tell you that. Even in the day and age when they didn't know a whole lot about infections and bacteria and diseases, I know that the, they took precautions and most women said, hey, I wanna, wouldn't say let's go out to the stable to give birth. They would want it in their rooms or their homes in a, in a safe place, an environment that was at least comfortable, if not as clean as possibly could be. So this was a place that was an unwanted place. It wasn't a nice place. It wasn't a clean place. Rather, it was a smelly and stinky and not very comfortable place. Probably dark and damp. The birth did not arrive in the palace of a king. The king was not in a plush array of purple pillows and silk sheets. Rather, the king of kings and the lord of lords and the god of gods was laid in a manger in a feed trough designed for cattle and sheep. The second thing that is important about this is who he came to. You see, the first people that arrived were the people that understood a manger. They didn't understand purple pillows and silk sheets. They understood mangers and feed troughs and cattle stalls. For they were the shepherds. If Mary and Joseph, a carpenter and a, and, a, and a family that was relatively poor, were near the bottom of the societal structure of the day, the shepherds certainly were at the bottom of the sociological structure of the day. And Jesus was laid in the manger to shepherds who understood what a manger was, what a cattle stall was. They got it. And they were told that their king was to be laid in a manger. Jesus came for them. Jesus came for us. You see, the shepherds were a lot like us. They were starving. They were tired. And they were longing for the Lord to come. They were longing for the King of Kings to finally arrive, that the Messiah to come and to fulfill all of their hopes and their dreams. And Jesus was laid in a manger to shepherds who were longing for this night. Joseph and Mary understood the shepherds. The shepherds understood Mary and Joseph. You see, the shepherds had no esteem. They were nomads. They're nomads with one task and one task only to raise sheep for the temple slaughter that was to be taking place in just a few short days as people gathered in the town to celebrate Passover. The shepherds found Jesus lying where one of the sheep that they were 
charged with raising was to lie down. Their lambs were to be laid in that manger. And here the Lamb of God laid in this manger. They understood. They got it. Jesus was laid in a manger to a people who understood. Jesus was laid in a manger for you and me. You see, they found him in a manger. Imagine the significance of this moment. The one who was present at the creation of the world. The one who was present with the three in the fiery furnace with Daniel. The one whom all the writers of the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, who they all wrote about. The God of gods and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The wonderful counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. The Lion of Judah. The Christ. The long-awaited Messiah. Laid in a manger. Why a manger? What's so important about a manger? He was laid in a manger because the world had refused him and would refuse him. For there was no room for him or his parents in the inn. They had no room for this king. They had no room for this Messiah. They had no room for the God of gods and the Lord of lords. They had no room for this Lamb of God. He was to be born in a cattle stall, in a manger, where no one wanted him. There was no room for him. Then God took on flesh. And the world did not receive him. From his first breath, the world did not receive him. And so I wonder tonight, what do we think about a manger? What do we think about this Jesus when we see him lying in a manger? I ask myself this question, and I hope we would all ask this, a similar question. Do I receive this Jesus lying in a manger? Or is there some other way that I want this Jesus to be for me? Is there some other way that he's supposed to come for me to, to solve all of my problems, to take care of all that I need and want and desire? And a manger might not quite cut it for me. So what do we think of when we think of a manger? From his first breath, the world said, you are an outcast. How often are our hearts closed to the manger? How often are we disgusted by the manger? By the brokenness? By the sin and the guilt and the shame? How often do we refuse to let him in to our lives? Or we try to not let him in. We try to put him in the shadows, don't we? We try to put him out in the back. And I wonder if Jesus, the Lord of my life, the God of my life. And so on this Christmas Eve night, I want us to think about the manger. The fact of the matter is, is we often do exactly what 
the city of Bethlehem did. We try to put them in the cattle stall. We try to put them in the places where we don't like to go. Paul writes to the church in Philippi that Jesus did something remarkable. Why was Jesus placed in a manger? To take on flesh. Paul says these words. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why was he laid in a manger? To humble himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. He took on flesh to lie in a manger, to be laid in a grave. Jesus was laid in a manger in order the Father would receive glory and we would receive life. Jesus was laid in a manger in order that he would grow up and be obedient to that death, be obedient to even that death on a cross, to be a servant. Jesus was laid in a manger in order that what? We would be laid in eternity. I want to conclude tonight with a quote that I really like. I think it's fitting for the question, why was Jesus laid in a manger? And the quote comes from John Calvin. Jesus was laid in a manger, and here's what Calvin says. A lodging refused to him among men. It was that heaven might be open to us, not as a temporary lodging, but as our eternal country and inheritance. And that the angels might receive us into their abode. Why was Jesus laid in a manger? So that we would be laid in heaven. So that he would live and die and rise again. That we would sit and be in this place with the hope of everlasting life. Simply because he loves us. So this is what we celebrate tonight. This is what we celebrate tomorrow morning. The fact that the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the King of kings took on flesh was laid in a manger, died on a cross, was laid in the grave so that we would be laid in eternity. Let's pray. Our great God, Heavenly Father, we thank You for how You love us and how You care for us and how You humbled Yourself for us in order that we might know the joy of an everlasting relationship with You. So Lord Jesus, we give You thanks and praise for who You are and what You've accomplish for us. And so may we contemplate afresh here this night that you were obedient and that you took on flesh so that we would have life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us sing, What Child Is This?
scripture reading is from the, the John 1 and Luke 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then from Luke's gospel, we got that? Here we go. Okay. 
Well, tonight we're going to be singing what we normally do here. We'll, we'll sing Silent Night, and we're going to dim the lights, and I will take a light from uh, the candles over here, and we'll pass it out, and then we'll just we'll, we'll see how that all goes with the, uh, uh, the joy of this that John was talking about, the light of the world penetrating the darkness and showing us his light reaching each and every one of us. Let us sing. Christmas, go in peace, and we'll see you back tomorrow morning. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.